Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Caroline Graham Hansen plays as a winger for Spanish Liga F-Club, FC Barcelona, and the Norwegian national team. Till today, she has represented her country in the national team shirt 98 times, and she has scored 44 goals. Graham Hansen started her professional career playing in top serien back home in Norway in the club Stabæk. She then has represented clubs such as Tyresa in Sweden, Wolfsburg in Germany and is now one of the best wingers in the world in FC Barcelona, the club where she won the Champions League title in the 2020 and 21 season. In this episode, Graham Hansen talks about what made her choose herself ahead of the national team when her body told her to listen to it, what it was like playing at a crowded Camp Nou, and how she views the game from an analytical perspective. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Caroline Graham Hansen episode. It's, it's Tuesday and we're here today with uh, Caroline Graham Hansen. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. Yeah, I'm happy to uh, chat with you guys today. Yeah, and we're, we're super excited to, to have you on. And I, I did prepare you just, uh, just a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to start off with having you pronounce your name for the audience. Mitt navn är Caroline Graham Hansen. And that's how you say it in Norwegian. Yes. We also do have a quote from somebody who knows you very well. Um, the thing is, though, that there are going to be some Norwegian words in this, and I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to pronounce them, but hopefully I get them right. Um, Kato is the most technical player in the world, highly dedicated and views the game in a different way than other players. A better way, most will, will say. Personally, I think Kato is even more fantastic outside of the pitch. She is very kind and cares a lot for the people around her. Additionally, she always lets me mess with her and laughs at my jokes, which I greatly appreciate. I believe her most outstanding achievement on the pitch has been with me when we won the Norwegian Cup for girls under 16 in 2009 and 2010. She got the player of the match award in both games, obviously. Kato has only dribbled me twice in her career, never in an actual game which is my greatest achievement. She's a thinker, checks, tudle mood, all about the details, and an absolute favorite. Who do you think that is? Is it Guro? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it had to be either Guro or Tresu. They are in the same age. And I was not the same age, the same uh, way of speaking. Oh, yeah. Guro, uh, I don't know. We have so much, uh, had so much fun together. Uh, I think uh, with this team that you mentioned, uh, it's the period of 
time when I played, I had like the most fun, fun, like the group of girls was like fantastic. And we we're just laughing and enjoying. And of course we were very good as well. So we were winning a lot and, uh, uh, yeah, good result, fantastic friend today where it doesn't go a day by without jokes. And, uh, she has been through some hard, uh, a hard journey to get to the national team where she is now. So I'm very proud of her that she, she has made it because uh, that's always been her biggest dream to achieve that. And she hasn't done it the normal way. She went to college. She was long-term injured and came back home step-by-step step playing her way up in Norwegian league. And now she's in the national team. It's pretty impressive. And I think it's a fantastic way to show other people and girls that you don't have to be the best uh, in the highest leagues when you're like 18, 19, you can also come, come in and make your, make your way uh, to your dreams when you're also 27, 28. Um, so I'm very proud of her. Hey, you talked about playing with her during that time. I think it was under under 16 is when you had the most fun. It's also the age where, where most girls actually do quit playing football. How, how important do you think that was for your career? You know, that you had fun and that you wanted to to continue to play at that age. Um, I think we were pretty lucky the the age group there because we had like fusion of two teams that uh, came together to a bigger, uh, bigger club. And then their, their goal was that nobody was going to quit until they were done with high school. And that's a pretty bold move to, to, or bold goal to, to have. And their plan was that it's all about uh, that you come to training, you're still with your friends because often you get separated into the first, second and third team. And they didn't want that if you're in the third team or second team, you have less uh, options to enjoy and to to play football and feel like you had good trainings. And um, the coaches and the, the parents who arranged all of this for those three, four years was amazing. So I think it was one girl out of over hundreds that quit. And then, of course, uh, the... <laughs> then the social part of it was a, a big deal for everyone. And I think everybody who looks back at that period of time playing, even if you were at the first, second or third team, they, they had a lot of fun. And they also, on their level, achieved to to feel valued that the, they were winning and, and that they could keep their friends. Because often in this period of time, you also change school. So at least you had like one place where you could keep your childhood friends uh, for a longer period of time. How was it for you growing up in Norway and playing football? Because I assume it was the same as it was in, in Sweden, kind of similar at least, you know, you have a team and then you have those mini leagues. But how, how was it for you? Because you played with boys, right? Yeah, like I, I played with boys until I was 16. I, I played with these girls like for the elite tournaments. And it was also a way to integrate me with the, um, the girls teams because I never played with girls before. And it was nice for me to make uh, friends that was girls that also played football, which I have uh, Guro and another one, Lotta, that is still one of my best friends today. So uh, I'm really grateful that I could do that and also keep playing with the boys where it was like where you were pushing for for becoming better. And when I was with the girls, it was like, there you came to to win, but uh, it was also a social part of it that was very important for me. And how was it with, with the social part, you know, moving abroad at such such a young age? Was that something you were worried about when you, when you, did, when you did take that step to go? Mm, no, I, I think I was like young and eager to prove myself. Uh, so you didn't really think about it that much uh, to be fair uh, the first time I moved to Sweden 
it wasn't really my choice. It was my dad's choice to go. He pushed me. He said like, yeah, you need to take the next step. Um, and to be fair, I wasn't really ready for it. I said, I don't want to go. And then young and a bit naive, I, I went for it and it didn't turn out how I wanted it to be. So after that half year in Tiresa, I figured I want to go home. I want to f- finish my school and then I want to try again because uh, it was hard to move out. And uh, I learned a lot from it. Uh, so when I then... Uh, decided that I wanted to go out again in 2014 in the summer and I knew what how hard it would be to live alone far away from friends and family and also how much I wanted it and if I don't want it I'm not going to be able to push through when it's hard and you're alone so it was a good but tough experience to to do that at such a young age. Ella Master one of your former teammates said in an interview with Gold that she struggled to thrive in an uncommon environment when she was at Wolfsburg I think is what she meant or maybe it was when she was in Sweden I'm not sure but she said that it was impressive that you did it for five years and that it says a lot about your character and who you are as a person do you like why do you think that you could thrive in, in the Wolfsburg environment and, and become, you know, and kind of like develop the player that you are? You were in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And like what that set for you now? No, it was it was hard to come to Germany as a, uh, at a young age. Uh, it was very different from from my culture. Uh, the way of training was a lot harder. Uh, the Germans are famous for that. Uh, so it was like a way of me to to go out of my comfort zone and to understand what you need to to have as a professional athlete if you want to keep thriving and keep uh, uh, developing and keep uh, pushing to be the best that you can be. And uh, I had a good first season, but unfortunately I was struggling with like a patella tendon injury. So I had to have a break. And when I came back from that, I had like another blow and another blow, like, uh, and this, feeling that I felt that I I was good but I, I hadn't really made it made me want to keep trying and made me not want to step out of that environment even though it was hard and maybe a bit uh, destructive for me personally in the end in the way that uh, the, the things were there um, I made friends for life I developed uh, a lot as a person and I also understood like what it would be to to dig deep to to work hard for your dreams even when it's hard so um, i had my good moments and i had my bad moments in germany but um i i wouldn't be without it even though it was uh, a roller coaster of emotional experience uh, says to be there one of those uh, maybe worse worse moments was in 2018 i i read in an interview that you said that you were ready to just lay it all on the just stop. Just quit football. Yeah, I was. I was. Of course, you're sad. You lose the final, but it was like. I feel like it was a year where, after 2015, I came back from the knee injury. I missed the World Cup, uh, or I took a decision where I said I need to get healthy because, like this, I can't perform. I can't develop as a player. I was young. I was 20. Um, I came back in in the fall, and then I broke my my leg. Uh, came back from the leg fracture and then I uh, got a fracture in my knee <laughs> and then um, step by step I started to like get rolling again and then you get the end of 2018 um, and you like struggle for so long and 
in that game, I was half injured and it was just not meant to be. And of course, then you were like, I was just so tired of taking blows. Like, uh, I was at the point where it was like, football is not fun anymore. You, you keep, you keep pushing, you keep giving it all. Uh, you keep doing everything right. Um, and it's still not enough. And, and this is the hard part of football sometimes. Uh, it's a part, hard part of life. You don't get everything you dream for or wish for, even though you work hard. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you feel sad or you have the feeling that you want to give up and say, okay, I do something else in my life. That's also fine. Um, so I was at that point and yeah, I just wanted to do something else at that point. Um, and I think it's just like you want to win and then you're just sad of losing. So maybe it's me being a bad loser, but it's also making me a stayer and, uh, and a person who loves to win. Were you ever close to actually quitting or was it just a feeling that you had? No, I don't think I was close to quitting, but I was definitely at the point where I was like, I need a break. <laughs> I need to re recharge a bit. I need to gather my thoughts. I need to make uh, something different in my life to keep finding the motivation. Maybe the motivation before I'd been to do a comeback, do a comeback, do a comeback, and then you make the comeback and then you still get a blow, then okay, I need to find a new way of like driving and uh yeah, step by step you find it. Like I have good family and friends around me that don't come there and say, Okay, get your shit together, you're lucky. It's like, yeah, take a break, uh you have vacation now, and we will figure it out and then step by step you you your motivation will come back. I'm this type of person that has high lo- uh, high tops and and uh, really uh, deep lows of emotions too. So the my parents know that uh, sometimes it is like this. But um, at, at this moment I was like, this is not fun anymore. And to have this feeling when you play football for fun, it's also very hurting my or in this moment hurt my motivation so i when you look back at it i see see it as a normal thing that i think everybody one point in their life will will relate to that you it's sometimes it's it's a struggle and uh, it's because you want something so bad and you you can't have it it doesn't mean it will not happen Um, but you can choose to take a breath and find a new way or it's also fine to leave it and do something else that maybe give you more happiness it's it's a part of life's decisions do do you think that these these injuries that you went through in your career that they've kind of like mentally prepared you for other hardships that you that you go through now in your career yeah definitely uh it shapes the person you are it shapes the person you want to strive for to be um so definitely and uh it's like um, the Wolfsburg years was was hard, but it was also super good. We won a lot of titles. Uh, we, I was able to play for with some fantastic players and had some very good coaches. I, I learned a lot in, in this time. Uh, um, but uh, I think when you are in this type of an, uh, environment, you have to accept that not everything is perfect for you as an individual. So it's parts of it where I have to adapt and that's hard and that's going to emotionally exhaust you over time. And, um, but that doesn't mean like everything was bad or, or I wouldn't do it again. I would definitely do it again. I have friends for life from there and memories uh, for life from there. That it's just, yeah. I will cherish them and they also shape me for, to the person I am today and how I want to treat other people. So 
it's uh, it's like with everything, uh, it's ups and it's downs. And um, I think the the best thing you can do from it is try to just have a perspective on it when you're in it, even though it's super difficult when things are super good or super shit. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for for it, hundred percent. I love the experience in in Germany. Speaking of high tops or you know good things that that make people happy is that you're considered one of the absolute best players in the world today do you ever stop and reflect about that about like okay well i've been through all of this i've had some tough times but look at me now um no maybe i'm too bad (laughs) do or i should do it more i don't know i just try to be in the moment every day because it can shift so quickly uh and uh my my dad always told me like you can have a fantastic game today and then you're shit tomorrow or you have a shit game today and then you're fantastic tomorrow so i got this imprinted mentality that you always have to go back to training and keep working and trying to find the motivation in where you are and not where you want to be um because otherwise <laughs> the journey is going to be super super hard and unpredictable because you will be so frustrated when you don't make it right and you will be too happy when you make it right. And um, so, no, I haven't really reflected on it, but of course I have a lot of people and friends around me that tells me that, oh, you so amazing. And I always say thank you. And I think maybe now when I'm injured, it's like maybe a moment of time where I have to sit back and just breathe a bit uh, because I can't change my situation now. And then it's more important, more important than ever to just remember that, yeah, I'm a fantastic player and I will still be when I come back because I think I need the confidence more now than I actually do when I'm in it <laughs> because then things are rolling if you focus on the right stuff. Speaking of, you, you say you're injured now. Um, I was sitting, I was watching that game, reporting on it. And let me tell you that my stomach literally turned because you could see that you were struggling. And then you were just full of emotions two seconds later. Did did you know immediately that I'm going to be out for a while or was it more like fucking hurt? No, I knew it was bad. So um, it it hurt, of course, but it's not the worst pain I've had. Uh, uh, But it was more the emotions comes out that that I knew it was was not something that will be be gone in two weeks or three weeks I, I tried to be positive after the game because I had this similar thing like 10 years ago but then it was um, then I was back after four or five weeks but I had a gut feeling that this time it would be uh, longer um, so I was prepared uh, something as a, I think as a sportsman you you know your body and sometimes you understand the signs of of what's uh, going on and for me it was more the fear of okay how bad is it because i need this muscle to to function uh, especially me as an explosive player that goes on people one way one and uh, i need this so then of course you get a bit over dramatic in this in this moment that oh shit that was my career like <laughs> adios but uh Luckily, it's not that bad. If I do everything right, I will be fine. And this is the only thing I have to focus on now that take uh, take my time and not push it. And then I am good hands and I have really good help. So I feel uh, more and more positive about uh, how I'm going to come back. And this is what I have to focus on now. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But I want to talk to you about, about the Euros. Obviously, what was your feeling? What, what was your feeling when you guys went into this? Uh, it was mixed feelings. Like me personally, I was super tired um, after a long season. Um, after a long year with my heart trouble, uh, like I feel like I get stuff that nobody else is get to. I have so many weird small injuries, and yeah, this on top of it. Uh, I don't know uh, how you pick up stuff like that, but that's another conversation. And uh, I think in the end, the lesson from that one that I will take with me this time in this injury is that I didn't take the time that I should have after my heart uh, problems, like physically or like the, the, how do you describe like the heart muscle was fine, but your body has been in so much stress for so long that you, I needed more time to recover because this was not a problem that I've been there for one minute. And then, uh, I was gone the next minute when they did the surgery. Uh, so, um, I pushed myself too much and physically it was not dangerous, but of course I paid the price then in the end, uh, of the season. And before the Euros, uh, was also like, I was struggling to, to even know if I was, uh, able to go to give my best. Um, in the end, I, the coaches also knew about it. So we made a plan and I, I came in the, the best possible shape that I had at that moment. Uh, I think we all can agree that none of us really performed in the way that we knew we could as a team or wanted to, but that's football sometimes. It's a team sport and if all things doesn't fit or work together as it should, it's impossible to win, especially for us. Like We have good individuals, but it also has to fit together. We showed in the World Cup that we could, and then now in the Euros, we couldn't. Um, so that's life sometimes. Uh, it's a hard, hard part of the sport. Everybody can't win. Somebody has to be the loser. And then we were the losers in the Euros, unfortunately. That's actually a really good like mantra to go by that you can't always win. Somebody has to lose. Yeah, you can always want to be the one who always win. But I think it's important part to accept that uh, it's a part of sports. I think no sportsmen have, have ever won everything they put their foot into. It's a part of it. So doesn't mean I'm a good loser, but um, it helps me become a better uh, better one if it's possible. <laughs> and, I, and I must ask you, because did the atmosphere within the team change at all after that England loss? Of course it did to get trashed like that uh, in the way we did. Nothing worked. Uh, yeah. It was like the fire went a bit out of the team. Uh, and it was sad because people were trying, but it was like you were trying on the outside, but we weren't able to make everybody believe it together. And yeah, then uh, we tried in against Austria, but it was like... 
I think if we would have the Austria game before England, it could have been different because then you had a bit upgoing uh, after the first game, even though Northern Ireland was a different type of team and everything. You come into that game with a different feeling. And uh, uh, yeah, that was a part of the game. We got Austria to the end and we got England second and we weren't good enough. So maybe it wouldn't make it different at all. I don't know, but the mental part is a part of the game. So uh, that's how it is sometimes. And after after the after the tournament, or even during, especially in Sweden, there was a criticism towards your Barcelona teammate Fidelin Adolfo in Sweden, and you also had some criticism that people were expecting you to play a little bit different than than you did. But obviously, Norway is not Barcelona. No, as a, to be fair, I didn't read any criticism because I'm like. Uh, we had this big, or I had this big discussion with the media in Norway because I feel like they always, uh, uh, what do you say, like they they are there when we are there for the big championships and then they have opinions about the national team when they want to, but they don't really see the whole pictures. And then I'm like, how am I going to take you seriously as a journalist, as an expert, if I know you're only throwing out opinions when we're doing bad and when we're doing good, we're also shit. And then I'm like, you know what, uh, you can be expert and it's not going to help me read comments about myself uh, based on one bad game because basically it was two bad games and then I'm a bad player. No, sorry. Especially not when you don't see me every day and you're not able to relate or see the difference between Norway and Barcelona and the difference in my role in Norway and Barcelona. So no, I'm not going to buy it. So, but feel free. I, I love that people have opinions and, but that doesn't mean I'm going to read it. And uh, when I'm shit, perfect. Give me shit. But that doesn't mean I'm going to read it. But then I expect you to also <laughs> praise us the same way you should when we're doing good. And when that balance isn't there, I don't think you as a journalist takes us as a sport seriously. It's just, you have a job. And your job is to have an opinion on us. And that's it. So this is more related to how the Norwegian, some of the Norwegian media have been treating us. So it's not everyone to make that clear. You did mention um, your, your heart, uh, your heart surgery and how that was for you. How, how did you feel that that affected you, you personally, that time, time of your, your life and your career? Um, it was somehow a relief to know that um, how I've been feeling for a while wasn't just me being uh, in bad shape because my shape was so sick now so shit um, and it uh, was like I can't play like this it's impossible to play like this and uh, and um, I, I didn't even have a life anymore I, every morning I barely came out of bed I was like never had enough sleep and I was sleeping a lot uh, laying on the sofa the rest of the day it's like I didn't really have a life anymore so of course that affects you a bit in the way that this is it like before I was able to do extra stuff and do other stuff in my life and now it's like I'm old I don't know like <laughs> um, or are we training that hard that I can't handle it so for me it was also like nice to have a solution to the problem um to be fair uh, sounds very scary but um i had good people around me that was very reassuring that um i would be fine um and it would only help me uh, so uh, i 
was it was like went fast and uh, it was as little scary as possible. I think it was worse maybe for the people around me because if if like I was never close to be dead. But of course, when you talk about heart and after surgery, is always a risk and. Um, if if I'm gone, I'm gone. The, the, it's hard for the people who who are left there. Uh, but I was not even close to that. But like the whole situation, then it's I think it's harder for the people around it than for you in this moment. Or at least it felt like this for me. And it was also one of the reasons that you listed when you decided to take a break from the national team. That you you know that and you talked about it earlier here that you felt like maybe you came back a little too too fast and you wanted to do it. But how how hard or easy was it for you to make that decision to step back? Mm, for me, it was sadly easy because I was so tired. I was so frustrated that I was not able to recover in the way I wanted to. Um, and yeah, it was uh, time for me to just focus on me for once and take care of what I needed to take care about. And it was a good moment for it. Um, uh, for me personally, I, I gave everything I had uh, in the Euros, even though uh, it wasn't enough, which is very sad. And um, that's life sometimes. And then I, I felt like it was time for me to just take a, take a breath and yeah, use this half year to focus on me. And uh, yeah, uh, it was a good decision. I was feeling very step by step better and better, and enjoying more and more football again uh, and life in general. So <laughs> it was a shit timing that this injury came now, but that's also part of it. Um, you have to you have to take what comes at your way, and uh, I'm I'm just happy that I was enjoying uh, football again uh, before it happened. So you also stated in, in this communication that you that, that you sent out that you know um, you stated why you decided to take a break. Was it mainly because you felt that you were tired and that you needed to some time to catch up? Yeah, I, I just need to focus on myself. Uh, so I, I did that, and maybe it sounds selfish, but I'm not a selfish person, and I, I believe in the end that um, if you want the best out of me. Uh, if I'm not able to give the best to myself, I, I can't possibly do it for for other people either. So um, I, I needed to to just choose me for once. And you said, if I if I did not hear, you said you needed those six months to to do you for 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 a little bit. Do do you know when you want to come back to to the Norwegian national team, or are you like... right now? I'm not <laughs> coming back anytime soon because I'm injured. But uh, let's see. It depends on the the coaches as well. Like they're doing their stuff now. Um, I've been doing mine, and I, I think both have have been happy about it. And you did talk to. Um... I, I read an article that Martin Kogan said that he reached out to you after you made this decision. What, what has he meant for, for you personally as, as a player? Cause I, I, from my understanding, you guys had a good, good relationship. Yeah. He, he was, uh, for me, he was a very good coach. He, he created something with the team that was in a big uh, shift of generation. Like we, we had been very good. Uh, a lot of the, People who had been carrying the national team had been uh, retiring or was close to retiring when he came in. And uh, it was not an easy job to take on. And um, they came with new ideas, new way of playing. And I developed a lot in the understanding of, of my game and the way they wanted to play. 
and uh, mm, so for me it was a great relationship and uh, I, I learned a lot from from him and Anders as, as coaches and uh, we had our ups and downs but uh, um, I think everybody will look back at it as a as a as a good good thing. I, I think in the end they got too much uh, shit. I think they didn't get the credit they deserve for what the job they did in the in the media and and from 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 the national team um, because they really did a good job and uh, they they made us uh, a better team in a, in a difficult time. Um, even though. Uh, we had goals that we didn't reach in the end, and then you can see it was, say it was a failure. But sometimes you also have to look at mm, what we were working on and from what we had to to work with. And I think we did a really good job, and uh, we created a really good team at at our best. So it was a pity we weren't able to mm, make it all the way. Uh, but that's that's a part of it. Were you sad to see him go? Yeah, I was sad to see him go, both of them. But I, I think everybody felt it was time for something new. Uh, they felt it was time, and and I think the group also felt it was time. So it was like a mutual respect that um, this is it. Um, it was like sometimes in a cycle of years, sometimes you reach the end point with coaches, and it was sadly for us the end point with them. Before I let you do the fun stuff for the tactical <laughs> analysis, I do have two more questions, and it's Barcelona. and. When we talk about Barcelona, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people say that, oh, Barca has it so easy in the league. The league is so bad. It's just so easy for them. Um, what do you say about what, like, what do you say about that today when Liga F has been growing and it has developed over the years since you joined? No, I think you can just look at Real Madrid last season in the Champions League. They weren't doing so bad. And... Uh... Okay, they lost to us, but they lost to other teams in our league too. Um, so I don't think it's because they're bad. I think it's because we're good. And I think also that, yeah, compared with the first year I was in the league and now it, it has grown a lot, but it's also because we took it to the next level. So the other has to follow, but I'm pretty sure a lot of teams would struggle in this league because it is very tactical and technically very good level on a lot of the at least top table teams uh, and now we're still fighting to get it more professional and officially it's a professional league but it's still a way to go sadly but we're getting there and hopefully sooner uh, the better because uh, these players that are in maybe the mid-table team or lower teams will benefit a lot from this uh, to have a more professional environment around them because we yeah we win a lot of the games on physicality and not because we're bigger than them but because we can stay the game longer and of course then you get big ciphers um but then we had games for example against Real Sociedad last season the away game two times one in the cup and one in the league was was hard because they play really good football um and I don't know if everybody saw the qualification against Bayern Munich in the Champions League they were doing they were doing good they were close so um, it's not a farmer's league. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good league. And uh, if you like football, um, it's definitely a league to watch. And now we can watch it on that zone. So that helps a lot too to gain visibility that it's not only Barca doing good, but it's also other teams. It was 2021. You guys won Champions League. I had to do my math in my head. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. a nice season. <laughs> was a yeah, we were there. Um, but if we go to the season before that then 
you guys won Champions League. How, how high, highly do you rank that in your career? And what does that mean for you, that Champions League win? No, for me, it was one of the biggest achievements. Basically, because when I came, there was so many that said I only went for the money. <laughs> that uh, She's now like, this is a step down in her career and Barca is so bad. And uh, yeah, it was like, uh, it was like statements from Germany that um, they didn't understand my move. And yeah, that year they played Champions League final against Lyon, even though they were crushed. But I came into a group of, of players that were really hungry to to keep working, to take the next step. And a lot changed that, that preseason. They changed the way they were training, um, uh, were a very motivated group that wanted to be better. And step by step, we were improving. We didn't make it in the 2020 Corona Champions League. We were close and then we were even more hungry and then we made it the next year and we almost made it the year after but it was like uh, i think this ups and downs just keeps you want to keep working hard for it like even the blow last year makes the group like uh, we want to do it again and um i i i always believe that we learn the most from when we fail uh no matter what it is. So uh, we, we, for me, this this 21 year was like a big dream to win the Champions League and to be able to do with Barcelona was a dream come true. Like not many people will be able to say that. Hopefully more to come after me, but uh, it was really cool to just be right uh, with my decision and be right with what I believe was the best place for me to enjoy and play the best football I could. So let's jump into something because I was in Barcelona last November and I'm going to read a quote now from you uh, when you were up on on the stage from that uh, Sports Tomorrow Congress. And then you said, I'm a curious person in general. I tend to read a lot about what I have to understand how it's going. I think it's an individual part of the recovery process. Some just do what they are told and believe that's enough. But then there's me, the type of person that wants to understand why I do it in terms of, for example, the exercises I'm told to do during the recovery process. So when you're told what uh, to do or asked uh, out on the pitch, do you want to understand the why as well during that? Yeah, of course. Um, it's like uh, logic for me. If it has a logic sense, uh, it's easier to do it automatically in the game because then instead of just take it black and white, you will then interpret each and every situation based on the information you get. So it's not because the player is there, it's because of how the player is moving and what the player is trying to tend to do or what type of space you want to try to defend and why do you have to defend this space now and not before. and to be able to become better, at least for me, it's been crucial to understand why, uh, always why. And I, I like it. It's fun to learn new stuff and uh, understand more parts of not only the game, but like in general, the physics, the, the, the fact that what's, what's best for me. And the way the women's football are, are developing now and, and grows, do you think that this has become a bigger part uh, of the game 
like the why why are we doing this i don't know it's hard to say like i can only speak for myself that i always enjoy no- knowing the why and especially here in barcelona where everything is about like what they give us of information is to help us on the field they are not going to make the decisions we are so if i don't understand why i'm doing it i'm not going to be able to take the right decisions in the crucial moments of the game both offense and defense football is about making mistakes but you want to minimize them and if i understand why it's also easier for me during the game to correct myself um because the coach is not going to be there like in playstation so i i try to to always live by that and it's also the only way to to become better to develop it's to understand the why why did i do a good thing or why didn't i quite make it happen this time if you would describe yourself as a footballer what would you say very analytic um i think a lot of people would sit, take me as arrogant on the field i always heard that um but for me i guess it's just because i doesn't matter if i fail i will try again keep trying and uh uh keep pushing for the the unexpected uh and yeah determined to 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 keep winning and to become the player you are today uh what would you say is the thing that you have worked worked on most during your career mm. i guess like small sided games one we won situations um crossing passing finishing like uh just be able to move with the ball quickly out of uh, uh tight spaces mm. i guess just the 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 normal kid on the f- on the field that goes out to play with their friends and or his friends and they explore and i think this mentality is like what i've been doing the most also when i'm still here in this professional world like just enjoying doing uh, trying always to do all the easy stuff good so it looks uh, easy when you try the unexpected because then you have uh you're more unpredictable if you know that the player always going to try the hard things it's easy to read but if you are able to find a balance between like doing both the easy and and the unexpected stuff then it's going to be harder to defend so it's like like a mental part of 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 this too that I've been working a lot on too that had coaches and and my dad always helping me with yeah and that was actually my my next question uh what what you were doing to not be be predictable uh because oh it was my dad always uh try the unpredictable nobody's expecting it so of course it will work so when you have this type of mentality it's like yeah why not doesn't mean you know when it's happening but it's like yeah it's uh it's uh i i for me it's like i never were practicing any like hard tricks but i was always told to learn one move easy and it was like the i don't know what it's called in english two foot finta it's like you drag the ball from left to right to left to or right to left fast because this can get you out of any situation and from there on you can run fast with the ball or so just to be able to do the easy stuff move with the ball uh with tight touches longer touches as as good as possible you don't need much of tricks to to make make it effective and this is what because when when i 
took that course in football analysis at Barcelona Innovation Hub, they actually have this kind of philosophy that you you work with behavior. And if uh, how can you get the behavior on repeat if it's if it's good for the game? So I kind of like that philosophy. But your decision making and patterns in behavior on the pitch, can you work with that? Or is it just there? No, I, I think you always work with that because each individual have their own profile, um, depending on your position in the game. And my profile is that I'm good one we one. I can pass people fast and I can make a balanced defense unbalanced by passing people. And to to me, then it's like to work on on the confidence, like be calm in the situation, look at the space behind the defender, not what you have in front of you, but for example, where you want to go um, and to, to just try to do the easy stuff good. Like for me, it's always this, like maybe it looks hard, but for me, it's like if you do the right timing on, on the left to right move, for me, that's the easy stuff because then my touch and my movement is, is, is perfect. Um, so that's what I mean with the easy stuff. Like you do your touch, you do your timing. So you give yourself the best opportunity to succeed with the next move, which is then, for example, to pass your opponent. And there on is maybe to make a pass or to shoot a goal. So it's like, yeah, for me in the patterns of how I am working, at least it's like in training, it's like mm, quickly leave out uh, stuff that just doesn't matter and analyze uh, stuff that okay I should have done that and then you leave it and you try again and then you succeed and it's like okay then you give yourself a good feeling so it's also like a constant work within yourself at least for me where you give yourself credit instead of letting the insecurities take you if you fail because you're going to fail but then to be able in your head to just okay uh, how can I succeed then and don't let it affect you so at least for me this is how I try to work on myself to repeat the good patterns in in my game what do you think is the most important ability to have when playing football today Mm, being able to keep your fun I think a lot of people get too serious or you get too scared to do mistakes you forget why you started because of the pressure that comes to the goals you have set you or the expectation from the club or from a teammate or from the media outside. Like focus on why you started. Uh, and I guess for all people, it's because you're enjoying playing football. And uh, so for me, that's the most important, important and strongest asset you can have, no matter where you are in your career, to, to be able to keep your fun. And remind yourself of that, even if it's going good or if it's going bad. That's not getting too serious. Looking at the position you play, when you go out to play a game with Barcelona today, what information do you think is the most important that can affect your role and your performance? What information do you want before you go out to play? No, I want to know the 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 most important details of how we're pressuring and what that affect on my role, because one thing you're like working in training, but then depending on which players that are starting that game, 
your it can change a bit like focus on keeping her outside or she's very good at going cutting inside so that gives you a possibility to read your duel inside the game and also like in general how to know like how this team is attacking so you know like okay i have to be there and there because then if you win the ball it's like the higher you win the ball up the field the easier it is to score well so for me it's a important part to know where i have to do my job in defense to to win the ball and help the team because this gives like a security for me to 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 let loose on the offense if i do my defense good and try to do it good it's also I know with myself then uh, if you fail in offense it's fine but in defense it's more black and white I want to be perfect there I'm never going to be perfect but this is just giving a security inside the game and yeah, offensively it's uh, yeah you know where the spaces are depending on the game some games are defended tightly inside and you know it's more space widened if they're Defending more widely, then you know it's more space inside. So then you can attack a bit closer. It's like details, but in the end, when you have such a good teammates that you have. Um, you also have to respect your positioning offensively in the game. Not everybody can go inside. Not everybody can be outside at the same time. So it's like uh, sometimes maybe it looks like oh you get the ball and you do the one we want all the time, but it's because of that everybody do their role and to that they're they're respecting their positioning role offensively so for me this is also very important to okay what's my role today to help the team let's talk statistics a little bit because we all know that fans and media like assists uh, and goals we usually talk a lot about that but do you care about numbers and if you do uh, what metrics do you use or do you want to see that help you develop um as i, I always want to help my team so Uh, personally, I always try to to score and assist as many goals as I can during a season and push for that. But I also highly value like the key data of how many chances you create because w- within a game, uh, it's like a dynamic. It can be like a pendulum goes forward and back, and you feel you also almost always talk about the momentum in the game. And the longer you can keep a momentum to get that one zero or two zero, it's often because how many chances you create to create pressure on the opponent. So for me, this statistic I really like, and it's often forgotten in the bigger picture how many chances or key passes you have in uh, during a game. The same with how many key uh, recoveries of the ball you have on the opponent's half, because this can also make you keep attacking. Like you're attacking, you lose ball, we win straight back, and then you can keep going. So I think for me, these three are like statistics that I like to look at, and I think it's important. A lot of people that listen to this podcast, they they always want to know about the differences between leagues, playing styles. You know, if a player has been in, you know, you probably know the 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 story because. I think in media and among fans, we often discuss at the moment, okay, what is the best league? What is a, a, a best league? And what kind of football can take you far? But you have played in, in Sweden and obviously Norway as well. And then you played in Germany and now you're in Spain. What would you say is the big differences between these countries in fo- football culture and the way 
we think football in these countries? I think like Scandinavia is very friendly type of mentality. Um, you give people their standards by motivating them positively. In Germany, it's more black and white. Um, you do this and if you don't, you don't play. So then you're a bit more scared to do mistakes maybe, or you realize, okay, if I do a mistake or, or I have to run back because if not, I'm going to get yelled at. So it's a very different type of culture in the way of coaching there. Um, but in terms of like playing wise, both are very structured, uh, contra-attack uh, orientated, um, physical game, both of them. Uh, but of course in Germany it was more, um, how do you say, like at least in Wolfsburg, of course it was a big step up in terms of how you were training. So it was more professional, it was more training that had to be consumed compared to Sweden and Norway. Um, so it was like a level up in the terms of style of play from Scandinavia and, and uh, yeah, compared from Norway and Sweden to, to Germany. And then you have Spain again, which is, yeah, very different is uh, people want to use the ball more in the way of controlling their tactics, controlling their games. Uh, it's a lot more players with better technique, uh, high level of technique uh, and understanding of the game. So of course the game will adapt uh, to that. Um, so this is also culture like in Germany, they are eager to do a lot of counterattacks, and we were fantastic at counterattacking. while in Spain, Maybe we're not so good at counterattacking, but we're very good at keeping the ball and creating possessions that create goals. So, in the end, what is the better league? It's difficult to say. Um, I think it depends on what fits for you. Like the better league for you is where you can play your best football, not necessarily compared to which league has the best ranked teams. Because I think right now it's pretty even. Like between the French, Spanish, uh, English, German league, like the top teams are, are very good. And then the rest are okay. Uh, but I don't think you can say that one league is like way better than the other. Like in the total. I don't believe that. Yeah, I totally understand what you mean about that. Thank you for that. Let's, um, let's jump into the listeners' questions. Guro Petter Tjena wants to know, are you going to move back to Norway anytime to play for your favorite club, Vålerenga? <laughs> um, no. She says that on no. purpose, Guro Petter She did. We had to take it. We had to take it in. <laughs> oh, nah, I know she loves Vålerenga. I can, I, can, I can meet her in Stabæk. It's, uh, we both played there for many years ago, or many years ago. But to be fair, right now, I'm super happy here. Um, And I, I, I see myself move back when I'm done playing, but I don't know if I will stop my career in Norway. Like right now, if you would ask me today, I would say I, I would stop my career when I'm done playing outside. I don't see myself going back to play in Norway just to play right now. If you ask me right now today, <laughs> of course, you never know when the time comes, but as of for now, it's like, um, yeah. It's it's hard to go back when you like here and enjoying this environment as much as I do. And the weather and the tacos I've heard as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, the tacos. <laughs> yeah, but the second half of the But but that also makes sense because a lot of a lot of players prolong their career by doing this little honorary run of like MLS or coming to like a league that they played in before. Well, yeah. I think when you feel ready to that you want to like hang up your shoes, I think that's when you should do it. I think when people do that, it's because they do it as an adventure. Like experience you America, experience I don't know, play home and stay close to your family. You don't feel done playing. But just right now, I can imagine myself when I'm done here playing outside, I'm done. That makes sense. Uh, Leah Reineri, outside of team training, do you train by yourself? Um, before my heart troubles, yes. <laughs> Last year, it's been less. Uh, but um, yeah, I do. Uh, it's um, depending, of course, time of season two uh, and we have a very good physical program in the club so um, it's actually not so often that I feel I need to do a lot extra um, to be prepared for the games and the preseason we train so much that it's uh, it's enough and so it's mostly like biking and stretching and this type of sessions uh, if it's like extra to just do a good recovery for yourself when you're home or I go and play tennis, but this is when I have free, like if you have a free day and stuff. But this is fun stuff. This I don't count as training. This is more like enjoying other sports. Do you play paddle as well? Uh, I, I don't enjoy paddle that much. I don't. You don't get like this feeling on the ball no, when you hit it. I I totally agree. It's like I, it's dead, and I I I don't I don't enjoy it. Sorry. Me neither. I I always have played tennis since I was like very little and now I feel like it's something just, with the feeling when you hit yeah. the tennis ball right it's just this it's like, like the same response when you hit a good shot with the ball it's like this uh, it's a good feeling and I can't uh, maybe I'm too bad in paddle to replica this feeling I don't know no I I when I want to feel mean I say that paddle tennis is for those who never made it uh, at the real tennis maybe. I'll be the person who never made it at a tennis court. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Alexa QXT says, uh, I want to wish you a speedy recovery and let you know that we're all behind you, as well as who is the toughest opponent you have faced 1v1? I don't know. I always come back to the same answer. Like I played so much 1v1 situation with my best friend Mats. Now, of course, he's like stronger than me, but it's like... Uh, and faster but it's like it's really hard to pass him because he's really good in when we want defense and to to move him you have to be really good to to pass so mm, i think i would still say him even though i don't play against him anymore uh other than when we're in vacation meeting up to play for fun still so maybe it's a boring answer but uh, it's like it's uh yeah it's the truth. I, I saw the look before you answered. There's somebody in that room that wanted you to say I, them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say that name. You don't have to Sorry. do it. But I just saw the look. It was funny. Somebody raised their hand here. Capybara <laughs> Blaugrana wants to know, what players do you admire? Uh, um, I admire a lot of players. Um this is like hard questions because I feel when you answer these type of questions, I feel like I always leave someone out. Um, but um, I admire a lot uh, Katrina Pedersen. I don't know if you remember her. She was the captain of Denmark. Uh, 
I played with her for many years and she was always this, I don't know, like so inspirational. Like she was working for us as a teacher. You were playing for them or she was playing for Stavik. Um, it was like three jobs in one and uh, she was fantastic. Like the way she was playing, reading the game, talk, talking football with us, like discussing football with her. It was like very, very admiring and still is today when I talk to her. Uh, so I uh, yeah if I can say one person and leave it at that I, I would say her because I could say a lot of people <laughs> at least uh, if I say one and I don't feel like I leave everybody else In the Greece wants to know in a busy competitive club such as Barcelona how do you find the ability to be steady focused and calm under pressure on and off the pitch and what do you do to recharge and find peace? I don't know. I, to be fair, you play tennis. Uh, yeah, I play tennis. No, I'm just enjoying. To be fair, when I'm training, I'm in training. I'm competitive. I'm enjoying a lot uh, with my teammates and everybody's like that. And as soon as training is over, we're laughing and then just making jokes and yeah, doing other stuff. And uh, yeah, just I think for me, it's just this on and off button. Like it's I have my life outside the pitch and. It's giving me a lot of other stuff that football doesn't give me. So when I come home, it's just, okay, no, I don't have to think about football. doesn't mean I don't watch football, but I don't, I'm not in the training and games anymore. Of course, I'm in the periods where we have more important games and more travels. Uh, I say to my friends and family, you can't come because <laughs> it's too much for me. I can be a bit, yeah, how do you say, like weirder, but it's just me like feeling uh, that um, I want to use my energy on what I want um, and uh, choose my moments to, okay, when do I have to be on and when do I have to be off? So uh, no, I don't think it's been a problem. Uh, for me, it's been quite enjoyable to be in an environment that is that competitive. It push you every day and it's fun to be pushed every day in this way. It makes you better. Do you... Was because I, I I looked at your Instagram story. Was that Forza that you played, or was that like a like was it like a car game? Uh, Formula One. Formula One. Okay. Yeah, no, it takes a lot of time to play this game because, of course, the laps are the same lap times that it is in real life. So, <laughs> if you want to do practice programs and all this, it takes a lot of time. And normally, then I just play with my friends and family when they're over. I play two players, and it's funny and play against the machine and you crash and is. But if you want to like play the game then you need more time and now i'm injured so now i'm just enjoying playing wasting time with no bad consciousness because it goes a lot of time into it if you start very meditative because if you take your thoughts off of something else for one half a second you're going to drive off the field i actually did switch them out for this episode because i thought that i looked a bit dorky but i have these big gaming headphones and i was like i can't wear those because but i use that too like i game a lot just to relax so when I saw yeah. that, I was like, ah, shit, she's a gamer too. But yeah. Yeah, no. No, I like to be fair, when I'm when I'm not injured, then I don't have so much time. It's more when I'm injured because it's like easy to let your focus just be a bit different elsewhere. Like waste your time a bit more. And uh, Otherwise, I tend to try to be more productive in the season. Like spend time with my... my friends and family but like now i'm so now i can't do anything so then i feel like okay then it's fine and i can waste my time uh i'm not able to move so I, what, what what do you Going want to do that. so then i don't have to feel bad for 
to, to the game. <laughs> do you play FIFA at all? Like, do you just choose your own character and play FIFA? Yeah, no, it's either FIFA or it's uh, Formula One. So it's one of the two favorite games. Or Ratchet and Clank is like the three games I grew up with that I always just play Just competitive still. games as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like I get so mad sometimes. The other day I was so bad driving. <laughs> uh, I was like, I just turn it off. <laughs> because you get tired yeah, in the head yeah. like from doing it too long. Yeah, no. I sit, I sit here and scream, but we're not going to talk about that. But I sit here and scream at people <laughs> and my teammates because I play. I yeah, if I do that, somebody of my family's home is like, "Calm down, this is, this a is just a game." I get that, and I'm like, "I don't care." I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So the last question before we just wrap it off with this uh, or that is from London Chronicle ninety eight. What has been the highlight of your career so far? Oh, this is hard. I think like one of the biggest like emotional. Ah, I think I have to say the Camp Nou games to be able to. One thing it was was full, but it was like nine over ninety thousand people two times, and of course we won, and I was able to score goals in both games, and the atmosphere was like. They were singing for 90 minutes and I've been in men's, in the men's, when the men's play there. And I never experienced that the fans are singing for 90 minutes. So it was like surreal to, to be a part of that. And also after the game, that two times the fans were not going home. They were staying for like 20 minutes to sing with us. And it's also, I never experienced with the men's because then 5 0, they go home. It's so much traffic, 90,000 people. It's like scales. People stay. I, I know that. It was very hard to get out, I can say. And it was just, yeah, I don't know. I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. I see a clip from that game because it was like, is this for real? Like, everybody talks always that, nah, it's impossible to do this. And we did it twice. And it was just... Uh, it was like a dream, you ha- people would say dream come true, but it wasn't really a dream come true because I don't think anybody ever dreamt of that. It was like never a possible dream to have. It was more like a utopia that maybe one day when I'm done, that the ones who come after me would be able to have this because of what we do now. But we were there. I was there two times. And to have my family and friends there two times too and celebrating after the game is like, I was just flying. <laughs> I was just high on good emotion for both of those games for days after it was, yeah, it was a fantastic feeling. And of course you didn't win anything, but it's like, yeah, this is something very few of us will experience on the field, especially when it's like your home fans. I actually, I, I was at your first game uh, and I had to, I had to shop a little bit in the night. Nike stores. I have a, I have a hoodie where, you know, they they actually printed the day and the date and like Barcelona yeah. versus Real Madrid and this is the date and everything. And I had to have it. Okay, I'm I'm falling for. So. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people did that. It was also like when we were driving to the game. It was just like so many fans like just singing with the bus. It was like, are we making a movie or? <laughs> It was like so much love. It was just a fantastic experience two times. I can tell you this, that when I walked outside, you know, there was a dad that walked in front of me with three little girls and they had all had Barcelona shirts on and it said, 
Alexia Puteas on the back. And then they sang, you know, the Barca song yeah. all the way out. And I was like, you know, because I, I wrote about that game uh, for Fotbollskanalen here in Sweden. And I just, you know, I was just like, it was, yeah, I, I, I've never experienced uh, anything like that before, but it was so, it was actually very beautiful to see. Uh, no, it's, it was beautiful. It was magical. It was like everything. And just the love and the support we felt, it was, uh, I can't even describe it because I have goosebumps all over my body now <laughs> talking about it. And it happens every time because it's like, yeah, it's, you have to be there to understand. My, I met my friends like, two hours after the game because you shower and it was like takes time and they were still they were crying when they saw me like my friends and family were crying because they were just so emotional about what they had experienced it's like this this is surreal like and you were there and I was there and we won and it's like yeah so it's like uh, definitely something that's um, one of the if not the best memories of my career if if it's something the Barcelona fans know, I, I I haven't been to Camp Nou and, and seen those games live, but I did see that I did see the Champions League final live, and that's nowhere near ninety ninety thousand ninety plus thousand. But the atmosphere at Allianz in 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 Torino was absolutely crazy. Yeah, uh, that that was what hurt me so much that we couldn't give them the victory because it was. I didn't believe it. There was like so many fans had taken the way and they were outside the hotel singing all day and in the streets walking, singing all day. And it was just, I think for me, that was the biggest bummer that we couldn't give them the victory back and still hurt. So I feel like we owe them one, one big one for, for showing up. And I really hope we can, can give it back soon. Okay. Let's just talk about the Camp Nou experience to end this with, <laughs> with the goosebumps. Not, not, no, no, no losses. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, do you say Camp Nou or do you say Camp Now? Because I've heard different stuff. Oh, no Camp. Somebody's saying too. So. Okay. <laughs> I say Camp Nou. I don't know if I say Camp it wrong. Nou, Camp Nou. Yeah. I don't know if I say it wrong. So yeah. I don't take uh, responsibility for the pronunciation <laughs> of this, <laughs> this name. Amanda, who taught you how to say Camp Nou? Carolina Graham Hansen. <laughs> yeah, you can say me when you're fine. <laughs> With that being said, we're going to do this or that five questions. Um, I did go through it before, but I'm going to go through it one more time. Um, I'm going to read you. I'm going to give you two options. It has to be quick and I don't want an explanation. Okay. Count new or Johan Cruyff? Count new. A pass followed by a clear scan or intuition? Uh, uh, intuition. Playing out of pressure, would you rather dribble on your own or play out of it with perfect one-touch passes together with a teammate? Uh, dribble. That's a really hard one because post is very satisfying. <laughs> okay. Assist the goal and you win or square one yourself and you lose? Uh, assist the goal and we win. Yeah. <laughs> when scoring, would you rather a perfectly hit free kick from outside the box or coming from the wing inside the box to hit it hard? Uh, coming inside and hit it hard. And that wraps up this episode. Carolina, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, very nice to get to know you guys a bit, even though we've been talking about me. <laughs> Maybe wrong to say. And uh, yeah, um, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.